Hi, I'm Sarah. I have an awesome husband and three amazing stepdaughters. Marriage and parenting is already a juggling act, and blended family relationships are even more messy and fragile. We won't always get it right the first time, but if you're looking for encouragement, you're in the right place. Thanks for joining us as we grow closer as step families. Welcome to His Kids, Her Kids, Episode 7, Bringing Up Behaviors with Your Spouse. Nothing But the Truth, starring Kate Beckinsale, is a movie inspired by a real event, but is fictional, about a journalist who publishes a story identifying a CIA operative. When a judge presses her to reveal her source, she refuses and goes to jail and eventually prison. When I saw the movie, one scene in particular stuck with me, and I have thought about it many times since. Beckinsale's character is arguing with another woman, and one of them says, I just want to know the truth. And the other says, there is no truth, only perspective. I think that is so revolutionary. It blew my mind, and it continues to blow my mind when I find it applying in my own life. Owning our unique perspective can be more than half the battle when it comes to bringing up behaviors with our spouse. I remember when I was in Ireland doing a study abroad at Trinity College in Dublin. I had a weekend free, and I took a trip to the west coast of the country with another classmate. We were in the streets of Galway, walking around. We had just arrived, and we both saw the same street performance. But what we saw couldn't have been more different. I saw a man who was intentionally trying to perform for the crowds, for the tourists in the summer, and he had put this metallic paint on his body and on his clothes to look like a living statue. And he had his hat out for money And there was a huge crowd. But if you ask me, the crowd wasn't there for him. The crowd was there because a homeless woman was interrupting his performance and everyone was waiting to see what was going to happen. Nobody was contributing money. I thought the performer seemed very out of sorts and wasn't sure what to do at all. And the poor woman, I don't know if she was on something or what the deal was, but she was behaving very erratically, and I was waiting for police to come at any moment. Well, my classmate, she decided that, you know, she wasn't as interested as I was, and she said, let's go. And as we left, I said, I wonder what's going to happen. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, that woman was interrupting his performance. You know, I wonder if the police are going to come or, you know, what's going to happen? And she said, no, she was part of the performance. And I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how we had both seen the same thing and we had a totally different take on what was going on back there. And I also remember telling myself, just because you feel like you're the one who's right here doesn't mean you are. You'll never know. So when I talk about our unique perspective, today I'm not only talking about our unique perspective as a step-parent, but our unique perspective as our spouse's spouse. We are in the position to be their biggest advocate, their wingman, their safe harbor. 
we physically have more access to them than anyone else. And like two horses harnessed together, everything we do directly affects them. No one else is equipped like we are to build them up or tear them down. Why is it that so often we feel like our spouse has a defensive wall built up around their heart? Why do we feel like we can't get through to them when we try to bring up how their behavior and their children's behavior affects us? Today, I hope to help you bring down those walls or at least scale them. A friend of mine once asked me for advice. She was expecting a visit from a family member, and this person had a recent history of substance abuse and also clearly a fragile sense of their own value. She was really anxious about the visit because this family member had recently burned some bridges with other extended family members over their substance abuse, and it seemed like a really bad situation for them. They were very sensitive to criticism and correction, And my friend was really concerned about having any kind of rules or doing anything that would quote-unquote drive them away at a time when they really needed family. I remember her sharing this story and asking me, you know, how she could be prepared for the upcoming visit and feeling stumped. As I was thinking about it, I remembered something that I had heard at a seminar and I shared it with her and that was to speak the truth in love. As simple as that sounds, it can be really hard to do. How often do we swallow our thoughts because of the love that we have in our heart or find ourselves blowing up over the harsh facts as we see them? I'm going to discuss incorporating I statements, a feedback model called SBI, and embracing your outsider perspective and the limits of your authority as you approach your spouse to share your experiences living in relationship with them and the children in your life. Now, it's very possible this is not the first time you've heard of using I statements when having a difficult conversation with a family member. But if you're anything like me, that hasn't kept you from being less than perfect when it comes to communication during a conflict. It is so much easier to go with a you statement You didn't answer the phone. You forgot to get gas. You don't know what it's like for me when your kids are here and you're at work. As a step-parent, we also have those they statements to watch out for. They think I'm their servant. They embarrassed me at the event. They were disrespectful. It's so much harder to go with I. I wasn't sure what to do, and I was trying to call you for help. I was running late and had to get gas before the meeting, making me even later. I feel invisible when your daughter is here. It feels good to say you, to lean forward like you're in a boxing match, pop, pop, bang, like from Cinderella Man. It feels safe. It feels strong. It feels right. Saying they too often can come with some internal conflicts that we'll discuss, but you feels very deceptively delicious. Saying I feels frightening, like you're setting yourself up to be mocked. 
Like, you can't tell your spouse that they hurt you. It's so much easier to tell them that they are selfish, inconsiderate, and irresponsible. Just like it feels less vulnerable to fire you statements like BBs out of a BB gun, think of how much safer it feels to be on the receiving end of a calm I statement. What would you rather hear? Where are you? Why aren't you ready yet? Or, I'm really stressed out right now thinking about traffic and what it's going to feel like if we are the last ones there. What is your problem? Or, I had a weird conversation with a neighbor earlier today and I'm still upset about it. When you said, I'll see you later, it felt like something is wrong between us and I'm not sure if I'm imagining it or not. I'll share a little secret with you. Although it feels good to point the finger and imply that you are the problem here, it's actually a very powerless position to take. You can even feel it in your own heart when you find yourself wanting to throw a big fat they at our spouse about our stepkids. It doesn't last long before our own identity as an adult is embarrassed to admit that a child is getting the better of us and we quickly revert to you. You let them get away with everything. You never support me when it comes to the kids. You need to decide who is in charge around here. With all your attention zeroed in on the other person, you are communicating that you can't do anything independently of them to improve the situation. When nothing could be further from the truth, when you know in your heart of hearts that you are worthy and you are powerful, then you aren't spending all your emotional energy on what everyone else could do to make things better. Because you are so aware of what you can do to make them better. Just like I shared my revelation in college that no one would ever have power over me without my choosing to give it to them, you have choices. You always have choices. A neighbor's dog leaves a calling card in your lawn. What are you going to do about it? Your spouse doesn't seem to notice the sacrifice you made to celebrate the holiday with their family instead of yours again. What are you going to do about it? Your stepson rolled their eyes when you offered something you thought they would like. What are you going to do about it? Here are some of the things I do. Let's talk about using a formula called SBI. S stands for situation, B for behavior, and I for impact. Now, this isn't something I came up with. There's tons of resources out there on SBI, and I'll be picking out some that I like the best, and I'll post them on today's episode notes at www.hiskidsherkids.com. I like SBI because it's an amazing way to find the words that you need to say when it's hard to say them. And applied properly, SBI can make it so much easier for the person receiving your feedback. Here are some examples. Rather than telling the kids, stop shouting in the house, you can say, hey, honey, 
I was all the way down in the basement and I heard your voice. It sounded like you were fighting over the new doll. We don't shout in the house, but I'm concerned that there's a bigger issue here. Rather than giving your spouse the look or a snide remark about the latest credit card bill, you can say, Two months ago, we discussed our budget and agreed to not make any purchases over $75 without discussing it first. Now this invoice shows three purchases over $75 and I don't remember talking about them. It concerns me because I'm not sure we're going to be able to make this payment and I don't know what the return policy is for these purchases. Or finally, Honey, last night when we were at your mom's for dinner, Jack got up and went to the bathroom. When I noticed he was still gone, I checked my watch. After another five minutes, I got up to look for him, and he wasn't in the bathroom. I didn't want to go hunting for him at your mom's house, so I came back to dinner. I tried to discreetly get your attention, but before I succeeded, he was back. I don't know what to think. I'm concerned about what he might have been up to. Going to your mom's is hard for me because I don't feel like everyone is comfortable with me yet, and it really was hard that I was trying to get your attention discreetly and I wasn't able to. Let's break this down. Situation. I like to visualize situation as a clock and a map, orienting the receiver as to when and where this story took place. If you emailed me at sarah at hiskidsherkids.com and said, your suggestion is ridiculous, I wouldn't know what suggestion you meant. Introducing your feedback with the situation also gives the listener some clue as to where you're coming from, a chance to walk in your shoes. I was all the way downstairs. Or, I was right outside your room. Or, I was on the phone. Situation can be robust and detailed, like last week when I went grocery shopping and asked you to keep your phone nearby in case I had any questions, or short and simple, this morning. The important thing is that it triggers their memory and orients them in a shared experience or gives them the information they need to imagine a scenario they weren't present for. Behavior. Behavior is all about action. Action without meaning, without judgment, without motivation. This invoice shows three purchases that I don't remember discussing. Not, you broke your promise three times in one month. You don't care that we can't make the payment. You're just materialistic and you're not helping at all. I've explained this before as... What would a camera capture? Or what would the film situation look like? Because a camera isn't capable of showing disrespect, inconsideration, or manipulation. Just like our eyes constantly take in our lit and colorful surroundings and send the specs straight to our brain, it's in our brain that we piece all the information together and interpret the light and the darkness as a car, a smile, and a dark and dangerous alley. When you share the behavior with your spouse, your dad called but didn't leave a message. Or, 
Lila said, I just want dad. Or, the toy on the floor was broken. These statements are, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. And that's exactly what we need with a good behavior statement. Finally, I stands for impact. And this is where you can share how the behavior is affecting you. What's going on in your head? As Brene Brown says, the story you are telling yourself. It sounded like you were fighting over your new doll. We don't shout in the house, but I'm concerned that there's a bigger issue here. You can also think of I as standing for your I statement. This is where you can say, and I didn't feel respected, or, and I feel like I'm noticing a trend here. I remember one of the first times I consciously used SBI in my new marriage. It went kind of like this. So, honey, before we were married, you know, we didn't mix our finances and we didn't discuss purchases with each other. But now that we're married, I would really like to begin discussing purchases first. For example, you own a pair of reef sandals and you just placed an order for the girls to each get a new pair of reef sandals. I would really like us to talk about purchases like that first. I might have known about a sale at my favorite shoe store. Did you get free shipping, by the way? Is there a smarter way to buy sandals so we aren't paying for shipping? And is Reef really the best brand for the circumstances? You know, two heads are better than one. Now it's a done deal, and there's you know nothing to do about it, and I'm fine to let it go but there's one thing that still makes me sad. Now you and the girls all have reef sandals, and I feel like I'm left out. It was like I had just taken my husband on a ride at an amusement park. Sarah's sad sandal surprise. He understood exactly what that had been like for me, how it was about so much more than the sandals, and that what I really wanted was for it to not become a recurrent experience. His response? Well, now I feel like a real jerk. I wasn't trying to make him feel bad. Except I was, because I felt bad, and I wanted him to understand how I was feeling. Part of thriving in the unique environment of a blended family is being able to graciously embrace the limitations that come with being an authority figure by marriage. Imagine this. You've been working at a small company for the last 10 years. Since they were just a startup, you know everyone at work and feel very loyal to your management. But the second-in-command leadership position has just been vacated, and you hear that the position has been filled. You attend the meeting, anxious to hear who your new boss is, and are shocked beyond belief when it's announced that the first-in-command has put a family member in the position of second-in-command. This person has never been a part of the company, and as far as you know, has nothing to recommend them for the position besides being related to the boss. Now, there are many places in the world where this would be expected and totally normal, but in America, we expect our supervisors to earn that position. The person who is going to approve your vacation time Speak up at the meetings that determine your next promotion? 
is in a position to do so because of nepotism? But imagine being that person. How would they be able to cope under that kind of scrutiny and resentment? Think they might get a little pushback if the first-in-command left them high and dry implementing a new and unpopular human resources policy? That is one job that I would not want to take. And yet I have, because the benefits were too good to pass up. As tough as it is being a step-parent, I think it's important to remember that we're adults. This is a choice that we made. Our stepkids didn't have a choice. They didn't have a say in all the events that took place that brought us to the family that we are now. Let me tell you a story. When I was still single, for a few years I volunteered with middle school children after school. One evening, there were fewer adult volunteers than usual, specifically no adult men. There were a few high school boys. I didn't see exactly what happened, but I do remember seeing the way the crowd of children moved. It was like a school of fish, and I remember knowing that something was wrong. Another volunteer told me that a boy had been surrounded by other boys and his pants had been pulled down. I was later told this was called pantsed. It wasn't entirely ignored. The high school boys parted the crowd and the moment was over. I was in shock, and I think the other volunteers might have been as well. As I left for the evening, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was outraged for that boy and very concerned that this experience could be repeated. The volunteer coordinator was not there that evening, and so I sent her an email and cc'd her supervisors. I shared that I was concerned for everyone's safety, including my own, and asked for a mandatory minimum of one adult male for each of these activities. There was some follow-up. I know the boy was offered more support, but the upcoming events got near, and I asked if an adult male volunteer had been scheduled, and there hadn't been. I was so upset. I thought to myself, I was there. I saw how fast it happened. I know how easily someone could have been hurt, but I had to let it go. I had done everything I could, and ultimately it wasn't my job. Since I did feel like my own safety was a concern, I informed them that I wouldn't be volunteering for events without an adult male volunteer present. And that was the end of it. For those of you who are step-parents, I would similarly encourage you to accept the limitations of your role. Now that's going to look different for each of you. Some of you have been doing this for decades and don't even feel like there's any difference between your stepkids and your biological or adopted children. While others of you may feel like your family is so sensitive to the idea of you having any authority that you feel like you actually have less say about your life at home when the kids are there than the family pet. Finally, I would challenge both you and your spouse to put a different spin on the whole outsider perspective thing when it comes to discussing children's behavior. Let's say you give your spouse an SBI about something that went down with the stepkid when they weren't around. You say, Honey, yesterday when you greeted the kids at the door, I heard you ask them if they had any laundry to do. I heard Susie say no and Sammy say yes. So earlier today I said, Sammy, why don't you do a load of laundry? He said, I did some right before I left, so I don't have to. 
It took everything I had to bite my tongue. I felt so disrespected. I'm just trying to keep things fun and functional around here when you aren't home. You remember what happened last month when he didn't have any clean clothes to wear to the game. Now, you parents listening, you know the drill. I feel like I can guarantee that this happens in your family in one form or another. Something your child does is rubbing their step-parent the wrong way, and you feel like it's more about your spouse than it is about your child. They'll grow out of it. You just don't know them the way I do. It's not that big of a deal. I was the same way when I was a kid. You don't have kids. That's just the way they are. Do your child a favor and listen to your spouse. I'm going to give you two good reasons. Number one, because they are your spouse. You picked them to be the number one person to be the one telling you this stuff. And second, if that's not enough, then listen to them because they are not your child's parent. Yeah, you heard me. Because they are not. Think about it for a minute. Your child received a birthright of two adults on earth who would for all time be programmed, even biologically so, to be the apple of their eye, the light of their life, their very legacy. The rest of the world? Nah. They don't see your child that way. They aren't so quick to forgive them, to see their good intentions, to understand their life's unfair dynamics. When your spouse comes to you, telling how they perceived your child's latest behavior choice, what instinctively feels to you like a harsh, unfair assessment is probably a lot closer to the way that same behavior would be perceived by your neighbors, their teachers, and babysitters. A response to a step-parent over a chore today is a response to their supervisor tomorrow. How do you want your child behaving? To the police officer giving them a ticket? To their future mother-in-law? Or, forget about authority figures, the server showing them to their table? If you ask me, how they respond to their step-parent is a better predictor of this than their response to you. And how your spouse feels about their behavior is more likely to be closer to the popular opinion of the outside world. Speaking the truth in love to our spouse about how their choices and the choices of the children we love together are affecting us is an important part of marriage and a wonderful opportunity to grow in intimacy. Think of intimacy as into me see. When you show your spouse what is going on inside of you with I statements and SBI, while embracing all the uniqueness that you come with as a step-parent, your spouse is more likely to respond by drawing closer to you. Keep growing and take good care.